0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 22. Today's episode is all about plant medicine.
1: We measured him using an EEG brain device to see what happens to the brain when you take 5-MeO-DMT. And what's interesting is you you would see a huge spike and increase in gamma, the frequency that's connected to oneness and connection.
0: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. Today, I am very excited to be doing an episode on plant medicines, which was specifically requested by several of our listeners. You know who you are. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll notice that quite a few of our guests have had their own experiences with plant medicine, most commonly ayahuasca. While I don't have my own personal ayahuasca experience to share, I have dabbled in some more popular plant medicines, and honestly, even... In a situation where I had no idea what I was doing or how to do it or how much to take, those experiences were hugely transformative for me. As of lately, I've been very curious to try some of the other modes of plant medicine in a more guided, controlled atmosphere. But like many of you, I have a ton of questions, so I think I found the perfect person to answer those questions. Our guest today is Trisha Eastman, a pioneer in the psychedelic movement. When I heard Trisha's story, there were so many synchronicities between hers and my own, I knew I had to have her on the show. Trisha has more experience with plant medicine than anyone I've ever spoken with and has personal experience using it to overcome her eating disorders. Now she leads retreats and workshops, incorporating some of these alternative healing modalities into her programs and coaching. Today, three key things you will learn are the different types of plant medicines and their effects, how to choose the right medicine for you, and what you can expect from the experience. But before we dive in, I want to invite you all to sign up for the morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power to start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. All you have to do to sign up is visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage, Plus, you'll get some great free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and from some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the miracle tone of the Solfeggio scale. If you don't know what that is, it's a specific tone said to help attract love, health, and abundance. This tone set along with affirmations sets up your frequency to really open you up to personal transformation. Listeners have been absolutely loving the morning mind love, by the way. We have enough people getting it now that I'm getting emails back almost every single day with people saying it's the perfect thing that they needed to hear for that particular day. So all you have to do is go to mindlove.com to sign up right there on the homepage. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now, let's welcome Trisha Eastman to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm super excited about this conversation. So to start out, what's your history with plant medicine? How did you get into all of this? So I actually
1: started working when I was younger at a counterculture bookstore, and um, it was called Raver Books, and they carried all the classics, uh, psychedelic books. So for instance, Terrence McKenna, Alexander Shulgin... Ram Dass, which are kind of like the old seventies, you know, psychedelic era. And so I learned a lot about psychedelics and I experimented a lot with psychedelics. And, um, also we threw, um, these, you know, raves and, and when people go to raves, uh, they take substances like LSD and, and MDMA and, just for some reason, I ended up always being that person that would take care of someone if they took too much mushrooms and they were having, you know, like some kind of emotions come up or having a difficult time. And I never imagined that 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 would be a precursor to my future. So fast forward, 31 years old, I was totally unhappy with my life, massive anxiety. I had eating disorders, I had bulimia, body dysmorphic disorder, and anorexia. Uh, Since I was about 10 years old, I had been studying healing, like I learned Reiki, pranic healing, uh, studied a little bit of Tantra. One of my friends gave me this book called Plant Spirit Medicine, and at the time I lived um, in Seattle, I had a corporate job, so I traveled a lot. I was like living a really high, um, you know, like like workaholic kind of uh, lifestyle, um, high stress. And I had a really interesting experience, um, read this book called Plant Spirit Medicine, and it was talking about like plants and them having a spirit and having a conversation with them. And this was kind of new to me talking to plants, you know, and then, um, it started talking about this plant called ayahuasca and it was like this sacred vine that's used in ceremony that's brewed into a tea that is served by a shaman. And actually the true term for shaman in, in the Amazon, which is where the ayahuasca comes from is, is a curandera And, and they would serve you this tea and you would have powerful visions that would be healing for you. That would, would show you your life's purpose and, and get you more connected to your soul. And I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. And, and at the time I just, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to just like show up in the middle of the jungle in the Amazon and then just be like, oh, take me to an ayahuasca codendera, you know? So um I waited a couple years and um interestingly at the same time just had a really um hard time with with what was happening with with anxiety that I was going through had seen you know some different psychologists and and doctors and and wasn't having success so finally I just got to a point where um I had Hadn't taken MDMA in a long time, and I I took some MDMA, and I had this crazy
0: vision. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what MDMA is, it stands for methylene dioxymethamphetamine, or is commonly referred to as Molly. It can make people feel euphoric or empathetic. While it is illegal in the United States, there have been a lot of recent tests using MDMA for trauma patients or people suffering from PTSD. I found a few quotes about the experience online, so you guys can rest assured knowing it's not just some druggie from the streets. I found a quote from a rabbi and a monk. Rabbi Zalman Chachter Shalomi, of his MDMA experience, said, I felt the great delight of loving the universe and being loved by the universe. So what does the monk have to say? Brother David Steindl Ross told Los Angeles Times that MDMA was like climbing all day in the fog and then suddenly, briefly seeing the mountain peak for the first time. The drug gives you a vision, a glimpse of what you are seeking. And in the vision, I saw this angel and the angel was
1: like, you need to leave your life and and find yourself. And I, and I was like, and find myself. It was a very short vision, but it was prophetic. And I realized that what this angel was talking about or in this vision was that I really wasn't operating from my authentic self. And so I decided that I was willing to give up everything to really truly go in and discover what my true life purpose was and so i told my husband i said i want to sell everything i at the time was a real estate investor as well and so i had four houses i had a business that me and my husband owned together with 13 locations um all these investments and he said um i can't see this happening for at least five years and in my mind i'm just like at my wits end i'm like i I can't wait five years. So literally a few months down the road, I leave my husband, I leave all my possessions behind. Literally all I had in my pocket was $47,000 and I took off to Europe and, um, decided to fully dedicate myself to studying what it was that I was supposed to do to be of service to the planet and, and where I was supposed to live and what
0: I was supposed to do with my life. Wow, it takes so much courage to up and leave a stable job, not to mention an entire life behind. Where did you go from there? I spent about four months traveling, and it was very
1: obvious and clear. I, I kept having these synchronistic dreams and visions and my meditations that I was supposed to come back to the U.S. and move to Los Angeles. Uh, the plane, I made some new friends and uh, was introduced to an ayahuasca circle in Los Angeles. And I never even imagined that I would, would find that medicine in a big city like Los Angeles. So here I am drinking ayahuasca in a fancy mansion in the Hollywood Hills, which it was a very spiritual experience. I don't want to take away from from that. It was a very powerful, life-changing experience kind of initiated my path into this work. Shortly after I met a doctor by the name of Martin Polanco, who owns a clinic in Mexico called Crossroads, which is a clinic that does treatments for heroin addiction outside of the US. And this medicine, abogaine, that they use is incredibly powerful. It completely resets the opiate receptors, meaning that a person can walk in and um, have heroin or opiate addiction and leave with with no withdrawal symptoms. And um, so I talked to him, we became friends. And I said, you know, I really think this could help me, I really want to see if this is something that could work for eating disorders. And he was willing to entertain my curiosity and he actually like treated me in the clinic. So here I am laying in a bed next to people that are actually having heroin detoxes, which was pretty intense, but I had literally the most powerful experience of my entire life. And the beauty of the experience was, for the first time in my entire life, I saw myself. I truly saw the beauty, the divinity, the worthiness that I had been looking for for so long. This is the first time in my entire life that I truly knew what it meant to love yourself and to be connected and also felt this just wave of immense gratitude for my life, for my body, for the first time I was Grateful for my body. And, and just keep in mind, I shortened the story, but in this process, I was trying to heal my eating disorders intentionally and actually gained weight for the first time in my life. And it was a very hard process for me. So for me to like like fully love and accept myself in the present state that I was in at the time was was really profound. So um when I was in the medicine space, I was like so grateful, the most grateful I've ever been in my life uh, towards this medicine. And I asked, how can I be of service? And the medicine told me, write a story. So I wrote this article for Rebel Society, which, which reached a lot of people.
0: Listeners, this is a really amazing descriptive article that is definitely worth a read. So I'm linking to it in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 022. And thankfully,
1: helped a lot of people too, because I know other people that went and received treatments and healing from this work. Shortly after that, the owner of the clinic asked me if I'd be interested in facilitating the Psycho Spiritual Program, which is a weekend program, not for heroin addiction, but for people wanting to have a Psycho Spiritual experience with the plant Eboga, but also. Um, receiving another medicine called uh, 5-MeO-DMT, and this particular 5-MeO-DMT was from a venom of a toad, which you vaporize and smoke, and it's a profound transcendental experience where the ego dissolves, and you can really see in between the cracks of all the things that you're holding on to, and and where we create separation, or I should say, where I was creating separation for myself. So. I got to train at this clinic and, and started facilitating and just witnessing people having these powerful awakening experiences. I can just tell you it's the biggest gift I've ever you know experienced in my life. And I feel like it just keeps giving. So after I worked at the clinic for a while, it got very popular because the owner was on a bunch of podcasts like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan and all these just really interesting people started showing up in the clinic and they're like, "Well, is there another way we can have this experience, like maybe in nature?" and and it got me to thinking and I and I started organizing retreats. So I started doing retreats in Costa Rica and Mexico, working with the actual plant, which is the original way of working with with the Abogaine medicine. It's a plant called Iboga from Africa started training and got initiated into the Boiti, which Boiti are the, the tribe that works with the medicine to work with Iboga in, in the shamanic way. So since then I've been just organizing retreats all over the world for the last four years and um, sharing this medicine with those that are really calling in this deeper soul connection and connection to their their truth and their life purpose.
0: Do you love story-driven podcasts? I do. And there's a brand new one that I think you're going to love. It's called You Probably Think the Story's About You. The story just grabs you from the start. It all starts with Brittany, who thinks she's found her soulmate, only to find out things aren't as they seem. So she goes on a mission to find out the truth. And as she digs deeper, she realizes the guy's a master of deception. But here's the thing. As Britney unravels his lies, she ends up on this journey of self-discovery. She starts to see how her own complicated past with addiction, sisterhood, and deep family bonds all have shaped her. And that's when it hits you. This story isn't really about him at all. It's about Brittany finding herself and learning who she really is. Trust me, you'll be hooked from episode one, wondering where Britney's path will lead her next. It's a story that'll make you look at your own life and relationships in a whole new way. Seriously, grab your headphones and start from episode one of You Probably Think This Story's About You. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll come out feeling heard and stronger. Listen and follow You Probably Think This Story's About You wherever you listen to podcasts. You know I'm all about aligning in every aspect of life, right? Well, that philosophy extends to hiring, too. When it comes to finding the perfect fit for your business, sometimes the best approach is to stop the endless searching and start focusing on alignment. And that's where Indeed comes in. Indeed is like the matchmaker of the hiring world. With millions of job seekers visiting their platform every month, their powerful matching engine is designed to connect you with candidates who truly align with your needs and values. But here's the thing. Indeed isn't just about finding any old match. They're committed to delivering quality. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed provides the highest caliber of candidates compared to other job sites, and that's the kind of alignment I'm talking about. As a busy mom juggling episodes, clients, retreat planning, family life... I just don't have time to waste on a drawn out hiring process. And that's why I love Indeed because it streamlines everything from scheduling interviews to screening applicants and messaging potential hires all in one central hub. And the more you use Indeed, the smarter it gets. It learns from your preferences. With over 3.5 million businesses worldwide trusting Indeed to align them with top-notch talent, it's pretty clear that this platform is the real deal. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support my show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed You probably have the most extensive background with plant medicine of anybody that I've spoken to, but a lot of the guests on this podcast have had really transformative experiences themselves. The more I talk to people with their own experiences, the more I hear the plant medicine told me. What does that mean? Is it a vision? Is it a voice? Or is it different for different people?
1: It's really interesting because I, you know, sometimes I use the word medicine, but also I really truly believe that the medicine is just opening you up deeper to have a deeper connection to yourself, your higher self, and. And your guides, and I know some people out there might not believe in this concept, but what I've actually experienced, and and that's the only reason I think you should believe in anything is if you actually experience it, is um, that that there are guides, um, whether it's a specific medicine guide, or it could be someone that's deceased in your family that's co- deeply connected to you, like a grandparent. Um, Or all kinds of things, angels. So, in these medicine journeys, many different types of beings, energy wise, can have a conversation with you, but also the plant. Can have a conversation with you, whether it's ayahuasca or iboga or peyote, can have a conversation with you. And then, you know, there are really powerful soul connections as well where you're, where you're just speaking directly to your soul. And that's, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful experiences.
0: I know a lot of people can barely smoke cannabis without getting too anxious. So the idea of psychedelics seems terrifying to them how do you know if plant medicine is right for you? It's interesting with plants because really what they are is a mirror.
1: They're opening up a portal into you so that you can see yourself. And so there's different phases in the plant experience. And one of them is releasing trauma out of the body. Good example, MDMA, which you know, isn't necessarily a plant. It comes from a plant, but you know the map studies that have been—they're almost done with the studies. I think it ends in I want to say two thousand nineteen um, for legalization of MDMA for PTSD treatment. The success rate is over sixty percent, if I'm not mistaken, and that's really powerful considering when you look at other modalities such as just standard talk therapy. So literally. When you look at the medicines, what they do first is we are all like animals, like our our nervous system, our basic nervous system behaves just like the way an animal behaves in that when you have something traumatic happen to you, it gets stored in the body. The only difference between when we get afraid or when we have a really traumatic experience happen to us is that the animal shakes and they shake it out of the body. A human tends to just move on and do something else, you know, and not really give themselves time to process the emotions that came up, the fact that maybe they almost died. And so that's why we are walking around with so many of these issues is we have little packets of energy being stored in our body that is trauma that can be even as dated back to when we were born. So the first thing I think that really scares people is they have to feel uncomfortable. And I think there's a a big thing in society about being uncomfortable being a bad thing. But honestly, it's in really going into that that you're able to release it out of the body and once you do it just creates so much space. I mean your mind becomes more clear, you have less fear in your life, you can make more clear decisions, you can hear your intuition more. And so the first thing I want to say is most people initially might have some clearing to do before they have a psychedelic experience where they're like, "Wow, that was really amazing. I feel really connected to my soul." They might have a lot to clear out. I know you mentioned cannabis too. So this cannabis that we smoke, I mean, think about nature. Nature is a sophisticated thing, trees, plants. And the way that a plant is happy is it's grown outdoors, in the sun. It's connected to its family, which is all the plants and trees and animals around it. So you take a marijuana plant or, or cannabis and you stick it in a warehouse or in, in indoors in a pot separated from all of its friends and family. You alter its DNA so that it has more estrogen because that's how you get more flowers. And then you put it under fake lights, which is basically like a human being being raised in a tanning bed. And you think that You can smoke that and you're going to feel good. And the truth is a lot of the cannabis out there, especially specific strains, give people anxiety. Like I can't even smoke cannabis myself and I work with all kinds of other medicines. So really, I think... It's really about education, and that's why I'm so glad you're sharing this information that we're talking about today, because if people knew that they could buy organic, outdoor-grown cannabis that's grown under the sun, and they try that, they might feel less of these other side effects when they smoke it. So I would say, ultimately, the only people that probably wouldn't be the best candidates for psychedelics are people that have very severe depression, like severe, like manic depression, bipolar, because it can kind of upset the balance. And if they're really in balance, you don't want to trigger a manic episode. So it's just someone who is a little bit more delicate and more sensitive. Also, there are certain pre-existing health conditions that make you not really a good candidate for this work but primarily like if you have a relatively balanced psyche I mean I'm just going to say all with love that I do feel that antidepressants are over prescribed in this country and you know a lot of the depression that people do feel is really their soul crying for attention hello connect with me you know slow down And I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to claim to be one as well. And if you are on any antidepressants, if it's working for you, that's amazing. So I don't want anyone to feel offended by that statement. But I do really truly believe that the medicines have an innate wisdom inside them that is far beyond anything that could be created in a laboratory and powerful healers at pretty much every disease of the Western
0: mind. Hold that thought. The Mind Love Podcast is supported by CastBox, the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 13 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. CastBox has also pioneered a brand new way to search. All you have to do is enter a keyword or phrase and CastBox will search all show titles, and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. So head over to your app store, download CastBox, and try it for yourself today. Will my experience be altered at all by my intention going into it or even the current emotions that I have? For example, if I'm really fearful, will the medicine exacerbate that and give me what they call a bad trip? Um,
1: I don't think having fear going into it is going to make you, let's say, have a horrible experience. It's definitely going to have an effect on your ability to fully let go and surrender and allow the medicine to do what it needs to do. If you're working with someone who is a facilitator that is really in tune, talk to the facilitator, whether it's a group or a one-on-one session. And that facilitator should have something they can do to help you. Like, for instance, I had a retreat where there's a woman who is she's claustrophobic. And we did a sweat lodge, which is a Native American sweat lodge. There's no medicine taken in the sweat lodge, but it's a deep, powerful purification process. So when she was in the sweat lodge, we had her sit close to the door um, one of the facilitators held her hand throughout the experience and reminded her that she could leave whenever she wanted but that it was going to be really, you know, healing and purifying for her to to be in the experience and she was really proud of herself. She made it through three of the four rounds and so she was confronting some of her fears and at the same time almost made it through the whole thing. So Ultimately, the intention, in my opinion, should really be you getting clear before the ceremony about why you're doing it. Many people come in and they're like, I I just, you know, I want to know more about my purpose. I want to be able to connect more to my partner. I want to be able to have a more open heart. Those are all really amazing intentions. Ultimately, the medicine when you go in with these intentions is going to show you exactly what you need to see. Like, for instance, this woman, she came to me and she was asked by a publisher to write a memoir of her life. And in her ceremony, she said, I just want to get really clear. Do I really have a story to tell? Is this part of my path? And in her visions, she just had this really, really powerful connection to her story, and she was crying, she was in tears, and it was just beautiful. I was, I was really grateful um, to see the medicine show up in that way because, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you need, really, truly, the medicine shows up for you.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I need to get something off my chest. Sometimes I wake up feeling like I hate everything, like this dark cloud is over my day, and I look to the past and the future and everything feels tainted, like this is how it's always been. Those types of days used to last months, and now they're pretty few and far between, and they rarely last more than a few hours, but it can still make me feel like a fraud. I'm sharing this because I know that we all carry around these things that make us feel different or less than, but if we keep them bottled up, The shame spirals and creates more problems than that initial thought. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's difficult finding friends or family that are unbiased or nonjudgmental. Therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of you. BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p.com/mindlove.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring
0: our prices down. are there better medicines based on personality or for specific purposes? Mm, That's a good question.
1: There's two things I like to say. Like, I feel like our society is so reductionist. They're like, oh, is it A or is it B or is it this or this? So I say all the medicines they work on the core stuff. I mean, really, ultimately, and that's why I love the name of your show about love. Ultimately, everything in this universe is based on the premise of love. We live in a friendly universe that is a loving universe, but everything is about love. So when you really get down to the core of all medicines, they help you connect to love. And so they all do the same thing. But there are specific things in each individual where they might have specific, you know, let's get back into the brain, neurotransmitters that need tweaking or healing. For instance, let's say you're dealing with addiction, then, you know, the dopamine receptors, the opioid kappa receptors, the medicine that's going to work the best for, for addiction is iboga. It's working on those aspects, really getting deep into basically the core thing that all of humanity needs in order to live a happy life. The basic thing is to feel safe. And between the age of zero and seven, many of us had some form of trauma. There's many great doctors out there that write about this. Uh, Gabor matei is one of them. And he talks about how all addiction is based in trauma. So meaning that if you look at anyone that has any addiction, usually you can trace it back to some trauma that happened to them. And those traumas are what make us feel unsafe in the world and have us grasping for something outside of ourselves to feel safe. So um, I would say for addiction, definitely boga. For ayahuasca, I feel like that is a medicine that's really powerful for healing the feminine. The feminine, you know, we think about all the things that have been happening with like Me Too and women with sexual trauma and men that have been taught to kind of be cut off from their emotions and not connect to the feminine aspect of themselves. Ayahuasca is amazing medicine for allowing you to connect into the feminine, which is also really about surrender, being connected to your intuition, and then just the idea of flow. And when I think of flow, I think of manifesting the perfect moment in every moment and that coming without effort so it's like effortless manifestation and that comes from just really fully being connected and like really truly understanding and knowing yourself but this medicine helps with that because it's helping you connect to that feminine part of that flow which is really about just acceptance and and you know being uh, loving whatever arises i guess would be the best way of saying it and then The cactus medicines, which contain mescaline, tend to work on the dopamine system as well, which is connected to the father, connected to the masculine. And so they're really great at at healing the masculine. So that can be really great for the man that wants to connect to his divine masculine or the woman who is carrying maybe some trauma from the masculine. I see a lot of women that are you know, let's say have a, had a past history of maybe some sexual abuse, do really well with uh, microdosing San Pedro, which is a cactus containing mescaline. And then also you have 5-MeO-DMT. 5-MeO-DMT works on the serotonin system. It's in the tryptamine family, which is also, mushrooms is also in the tryptamine family and as is ayahuasca. So again, that's working on the feminine aspect the flow, the intuition. And so those are just kind of little aspects of it. And it also depends on the person facilitating the ceremony, the lineage. There's many other factors that come into play, but that's kind
0: of just a basic overview of some of the more popular ones. I know this probably varies based on the plant, but how long does the experience take and what should we expect going into it? time wise it all depends on dosage of
1: course because the more you take the longer the experience is going to be except for 5-MeO which we'll we'll revisit so with all the tryptamine family mushrooms ayahuasca you know usually the ceremonies can be anywhere from 6 to 8 hours although there are specific lineages where they run the ceremony for 12 hours. So it's like sundown to sunrise. Peyote ceremonies are usually sundown to sunrise. So that's in the, the cactus family. San Pedro can be administered during the daytime. And sometimes it can be very long. If you take a, a lower dose, it's very light. And sometimes uh, different medicine facilitators will use it. I call it San Pedro, the master integrator, it's a really great medicine for integrating all the spiritual work that you're doing with yourself. It's not really a medicine for like heavy lifting, getting into really deep trauma and stuff like that. But it really does get you into your heart and bring you into acceptance. So it's very common for um, medicine facilitators to use, let's say, ayahuasca and then do, you know, a ceremony with San Pedro shortly after. And so if you do like a full dose of San Pedro. It actually lasts a pretty long time. It's about 11 hours. So it is a longer acting medicine. And then 5-MeO-DMT, the most intense part of the experience is only 20 minutes, but there are other compounds, other tryptamines that are still acting on the body. And usually most people are, I would say, completely back. 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes is, is what I've experienced. And um, Iboga is definitely the longest. So Iboga is 24 hours, but eight hours of the journey are pretty intense. And then the, the kind of trailing part is really more of this you know, getting a little bit of insights, but, but more of a restful meditation where, cause there's a, there's a stimulant effect to it. So you're not really able to sleep. Um, but it's still, it's still working on the body. It's still healing. It's just, you're kind of in this like healing cocoon for a really long period of time. It's like, you're kind of hibernating for the other aspect of it. And again, it is also dosage dependent because um, the more you take, the longer it lasts. And in um, the Buiti tradition and the standard initiation, they give really incredibly high doses. They call it breaking open the head because it literally is is enough medicine to shatter your attachments to who you are in the world um, in order to create new ideas and be open to receive what needs to come through for you.
0: And that could be you could be in that for several days. Is there anything that we need to do to prepare the mind or the body to get the most out of the experience? The most important thing is to
1: do a good thorough conversation with the person that you're working with. Make sure you feel really good with them because if you don't feel good with them, you're not going to feel good, number one, showing up to the ceremony. But just because you could only find one person, just make sure you feel really good about it and then uh, listen to whatever they recommend. Ask them. Every medicine is different. For instance, usually in the ayahuasca diet, there's a. it's called a dieta and the dieta, it, it involves no salt. No fermented foods, including avocados, no meat. And every tradition is kind of has a slight alteration to the dieta. So don't quote me on all this. Each, you know, medicine corindera or facilitator might have a specific diet for that ceremony. And also can involve abstaining from sex and masturbation for usually a week before the ceremony, at least with ayahuasca in that dieta. Welp, there goes half of you. With Iboga, again, there's different facilitators that have different protocols. But I would say overall, the most important thing is a week before, at least, really getting clear on your intentions, creating space, you to really kind of slow down. And something that's interesting about this medicine work is the medicine doesn't start working on you when you take it. It actually tends to work on you when you decide to take it. So sometimes people might notice things showing up in their life, like coming up like the week before the ceremony. And it might even scare them and make them not want to do it. But it's it's, essential stuff that, that needs to be seen and, and worked with and the healing process has already occurred. So that's why I say plan ahead, create space in your schedule. And then, you know, the weeks after also have an integration strategy for yourself, plan to have some integration support. If you work with a therapist, hopefully they're, friendly to this work. Not all therapists are, but schedule a session with them. Just make sure that you have support around you, whether it's a dear friend, your boyfriend, a family member that's of course not, it's harder if they're judgmental about this work. And there are people that have those, those judgments. So hopefully someone who's, who's friendly to this work. I would say also like it's really important to stretch beforehand, do more yin type yoga practices, because sometimes you're laying down for a long period of time. And it's just nice to have your body be in a really open place. Yeah, most importantly, I think
0: just giving yourself a lot of room. You said that sometimes things might show up the week before. Do you have any examples from your own experience or from other people? Yeah, I mean, every time I work with the medicine myself,
1: I feel like I have like an extra level of accountability in my life because of choosing this path. And that is, I just can't let, I just can't overlook anything. You know, I can't sweep it under the rug. And so if it's my own projections around money, I'll start seeing that money stuff showing up like really strong. If it's stuff related to relationships, I'll just see it showing up really strongly. And even I'll give you a really powerful example. I did a a retreat and it was a a boga retreat. I decided that I was gonna receive medicine too. And so I was helping organize the experience. And I also laid down and, and received the medicine. I wasn't afraid at all. Like I had like not even a little bit of nervousness, and I always feel like I have a little bit of nervousness before. It was almost like the medicine was like this is a really powerful experience. It's actually not a bad thing to be nervous because there is a certain reverence you need to have for the portal that you're opening when you're when you're walking into this work. And literally even before I started taking the medicine, I was purging, I had, diarrhea which I've never had before (laughs) and this was like hours before the ceremony and I was so grateful it was it was beautiful because I could really feel the medicine was like cleaning out my body and by the way in these medicine experiences it's very common for people you know with like certain medicines it's less but like ayahuasca for instance it's very common for people to purge in the peyote tradition um they call it getting well and and if you really think about it, like a lot of animals like cats and, and other animals, they throw up a lot and it's good. It's like getting toxins and things that are stuck in the body and in the system. And if it's being done in the right supervised circumstances and you're maintaining your electrolyte balance in your body, it's
0: actually a really good thing um, to clean out your system. Yeah, that is the only time I've ever heard anyone say diarrhea and beautiful in the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me about 5-MeO-DMT and flow states.
1: 5-MeO-DMT which the medicine that I work with is the medicine from the Snoran Desert Toad. And I do want to remind everyone listening that these are scheduled substances in the United States. So I work um, outside of the country doing these retreats in places like Mexico, where I was originally trained to work with the medicine, Costa Rica. They're also legal in Spain and Portugal. Actually, they're unscheduled in Spain, which is different than legal. In Portugal, they're legal. When you look at the flow states of 5-MeO-DMT and you look at the brain, I did a brain scan with this Dr. Dario Nardi, who is a dear friend. And we had a volunteer who took 5-MeO and we measured him using an EEG brain device to see what happens to the brain when you take 5-MeO-DMT. And there's another amazing doctor by the name of Juan Acosta, who actually has done some really deep research with ayahuasca and 5-MeO-DMT, scanning these these different brain states. And so what was interesting is you you would see a huge spike and increase in gamma. And gamma is the wave frequency. So there's different ones like theta, alpha you know, many, many different frequencies, but, but gamma specifically is the frequency that's connected to oneness and connection. When monks or meditators dedicate their life, like they live in an ashram and they meditate for many, many years, like they dedicate their life to it. If you were to put one of these EEG brain scan devices on them, they would register high levels of gamma frequency. What a monk would say as far as the state of gamma, it's a feeling of being blessed. So if you if you think about gamma, it's this high frequency where you feel connected to all things. You're in this state of gratitude. And 5-MeO-DMT can instantaneously, in seconds, take you there. But what's interesting about 5-MeO-DMT is that it also has this thing and people call it reactivations but the truth is it's 5-MeO-DMT is endogenous to the body it's made in the lungs it's made in the spine it's pretty much made in everywhere in the body there's trace amounts so what it's doing is it's activating your own 5-MeO-DMT in your body but what happens is like people will meditate and they'll be able to reaccess this this aspect now if you study the health benefits of, of gamma wave frequencies, incredible learning ability, like superhuman learning ability, increased immune system function, increased recall of, you know, events, memories. Basically what it does is it kicks out the ego, that observer that's like basically blocking just straight information from coming through. So, if you look at all these studies uh, done on flow states, you know, there's Jamie Wheel, the book Stealing Fire. Um, they talk about these these flow states of consciousness. This is the ultimate biohack to getting in there. And most of what people have discovered with with these flow states in the past historically has been mechanical like I had to meditate for 40 years to get there. Or I had to ride on my mountain bike up a mountain for an hour and a half to get there. But this is true like grace because it's coming through without, I mean, there is an external stimulant in that the medicine is is opening you up to that. Once it's in you, you can go back time, and, and interestingly, when I did the meditation, because I feel like I have a deep access to the, the gamma because of holding space for so many people in this experience and just being really aware of what that feels like, I was able to drop in in meditation without taking any medicine. So it really, truly is one of the most powerful things for us for manifestation, for being in our flow. And hey, why would a monk spend his whole entire life dedicated to this if it wasn't the most amazing thing ever?
0: (laughs) Going back to your aboga experience for healing your eating disorder, as someone who's dealt with that, it can feel nearly impossible to repair your relationship with food, your body. Once those powerful feelings from the aboga were fading, what was it like returning to everyday life? Um. Interestingly, I mean, just right directly afterwards, I
1: had such a sensitivity, like everything, like like what I would taste, what I would um, feel, um, the colors, even like my vision was heightened. And so I didn't even feel the urge, like when I wanted to binge, I would just like eat a lot of food. Like I'd go to a restaurant and I'd have like a dinner and then I'd eat like two desserts or something. And um I just couldn't even consume that much food. I had to eat it mindfully and slowly because it was, like, so intense. And the things I would do before when I ate, like, put a lot of salt on my food. I couldn't even do that, like, the way that I had before. You know, because a lot of the eating disorders, at least from my experience, have been around eating my emotions. So feeling uncomfortable. And so I had this new awareness of when I was doing that and it didn't show up like, okay, I'm not going to eat my emotions. It was more of like, okay, I feel this emotion. I'm giving it presence. I'm giving it awareness rather than running and getting food. But I wasn't thinking about the rather than getting food, you know, I was just there. And um, another beautiful thing is, um, because food had been the monster in my life, Um, I was able to, for the first time, really have gratitude and appreciation for food. And even for the first time, say, I love food. Like it was this monster it was this thing that would make me fat or make me undesirable to the world or whatever. And even though I loved it, eating it, it, it was a drug. It was a drug to me. It wasn't like something where I was like, oh, this gives me health and vitality. And it's my connection to this beautiful earth. Um, and then lastly, I will say that um, so much of the pattern of energy that manifested in the eating disorder came from this need to please others and to seek approval outside of myself. And I feel like the work from, with Iboga gave me a deep awareness of where I was giving my power away, where I was seeking validation from other people, even on a very microscopic level, to the point where I feel that my energy started to turn more inward. And I started to become um, different in the way I would process things, rather than kind of leaping to like, smile and, and please someone else. I was more neutral and more observant and, and more giving in a way that felt
0: aligned for me in that present moment. For listeners who might be interested in a plant medicine retreat with you or any of your other offerings, where can they find you? Mm, I uh,
1: have a website. It's psychedelicjourneys.com. And I have retreats All over the world, I have a retreat coming up in May in uh, Ibiza and it's going to be really beautiful. We're going to be working with the Sonoran Desert Toad, um, doing some really beautiful embodiment practices to integrate the work, so like yoga and Qigong, um, visiting some sacred places in the island uh, like Atlantean ruins and doing a boat tour. And um, doing a authentic sweat lodge experience to help purify the body and prepare it for the for the powerful medicine work. And ama- I always bring in amazing chefs that that produce really high quality organic food that helps you know you feel good throughout the whole experience. I mean, we have this beautiful villa. Um, that we rented that is just the perfect setting for this work. And I have a, another retreat with the Aboga Medicine um, in Costa Rica in June, and it's going to be really beautiful. I really feel, um, when I'm in Costa Rica in my best self, like, I feel like it's so easy for me to wake up in the morning and feel healthy. And, you know, I love being able to drink like fresh spring water out of my tap, you know, and just feel like the vibration of all the, the alive food, there, drinking fresh juices every day. And then working with the, the sacred root of Iboga and just having a deep, powerful healing experience going into oneself. And, and just you know clearing what needs to be cleared
0: well this was a lot of knowledge to be dropped for one episode but i hope it was helpful since it seemed like a lot of mind love listeners happened to be curious about this particular subject for the links mentioned in this episode head to our show notes at mindlove.com slash zero two two don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you have a moment, please leave a review. Reviews are so helpful in enticing more amazing guests like Trisha to be on the show. And lastly, if you didn't get the memo at the beginning of this episode, sign up for the Morning Mind Love at mindlove.com. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. You'll get short, daily emails of your own beauty, worth, and power to start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. This week, two different people actually took screenshots of the morning Mind Love and shared it on social media, saying that it was the absolute perfect thing that they needed to hear that day. Also, Mind Love has an exciting new partnership that I'm stoked to tell you about next week, so stay tuned for that. And as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.